0: Amen. Good morning, New City Church. It is great to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm excited to get back into our normal uh, rhythm of gathering. Uh, My name is AJ. I have the privilege of being one of the pastors here at New City Church. Uh, This is your first time. I'm excited that you decided uh, to kick off a New Year's resolution to go to church uh, with us here uh, this morning. And so I hope that your holiday season, uh, you found some rest and quiet. Uh, But I know if it's anything like mine, uh, it's hard uh, to find rest and quiet uh, when everybody's out of school and off of work, Uh, and so maybe it wasn't as restful and quiet with friends and family gatherings. Uh, But today, uh, I get the privilege of kind of kicking off uh, 2023 for us at New City Church. Uh, A buddy of mine told me there's no way, nowhere for us to go but up from here. So we got that going for us, okay? So next week, uh, we're going to be kicking off our sermon series, starting the book of Ephesians, uh, looking at gospel identity. And so I'm really excited about this. We're going to walk all the way through or walk through part of Ephesians up to Easter. And so that's where we're going to be. So if you're looking for something to read in 2023, I suggest starting with the book of Ephesians. And so uh, for today, though, uh, I get to take us to the book of Psalms uh, and we're going to look at Psalm 131. That's what we're gonna find. We're gonna spend our time today. Uh, It's only three verses. Uh, Christmas teaches us this, that uh, great things come in little packages. And so I'm excited uh, to kick this off. I love the new year. I love starting new things, finding new rhythms, finding better ways to do things, Uh, whether that be for all of 2023, or maybe I can keep it going just through January. We'll see. Um, but in that, I thought it'd be fitting uh, not to bite off something huge, man, but just really dive into God's word uh, this morning. But as we start a new year, if you're anything like me, uh, things feel busy coming out of the holiday season. There's a lot of newness. There's, you're doing new things. You're turning new pages, like literally with the calendar, you got to turn a new page. All these things, we've got reading plans. We've got goals. We've got resolutions. And with all of this, at times, it can feel very busy that like it it begins to get loud and restless really quick where you're jumping from one thing to the next. You're trying to squeeze every little bit because it's a new year, it's a new you. It's time to squeeze every little bit out of this day and this hour and this minute. And so I want you to hear me, working hard is great. I love to work hard. God made us to create and cultivate, uh, but there's that slight tension in this reality that can quickly consume us. We work to get ahead and get that praise and recognition. And when we actually get it, Well, that makes you feel really good. And so I'm going to go do that some more. And I want to feel more accomplished and worthy. And I want to feel like I'm in control. But to be honest with y'all in 2023, this new year brings about for me a little bit of anxiety. Because I I have this feeling just personally, you know, we're eight days in. I'm going to be honest with y'all. I feel like I need to have it in control. I feel this anxiety and this fear that if I'm not on top of everything, uh, people are going to figure out that I don't know what I'm doing. All right, it's only eight days in. I'm like, you can't figure that out this early, right? But I'm just gonna confess to y'all, like I don't have it together, all right? My wife attests to that, my boys will attest to that. But I'm learning day by day to constantly seek help from the Lord. And so if we don't though, we operate in a manner when we have it together that we got to accomplish a lot. We got to be busy. We got to be always going. And in doing this, it makes us restless. And when we're restless, if you're anything like me, it's hard to turn it off. Whatever it is, it's hard to turn it off. Things get loud. We begin to occupy ourselves with things even outside of our control. And we get frustrated when they don't go the way we think they should go. Like my kid's getting sick. I can't control that. I mean, I could put them in a bubble, you know but then I've got to be with them in the bubble all the time. Okay. And so I can't control when they get sick. I can't control when my AC goes out. All right. I fear things getting changed constantly, but I'm to be honest, the really only thing, only other constant in this life outside of the Lord is change. Like change is coming always. And so today more than anything, as we dive into Psalm 131, um, I'm just, I feel like I'm preaching more to myself than to y'all. Hopefully this is a blessing to you. It's been a blessing to me as I've been able to dive into God's word and wrestle with what it shows us here. Because I need this reminder eight days into 2023. And so our main idea today is going to be this, that a calm and quiet soul is found with the Lord. A calm and quiet soul is found with the Lord. So let's read Psalm 131. That's our text for today. That's what we're going to unpack. And you may be asking, uh, man, can my soul actually be at rest? Can I find this calm and quiet? And I I believe Psalm 131 shows us how to reach this kind of rest. And as we unpack it, we're going to see what actually hinders this type of calm and quiet uh, soul. Then we're going to see the way to a calm and quiet soul. And then we're going to figure out the response once we have it. And in my very like, like how things fit together really nicely. I have three points for us today, and they all come out of a different verse. And we only got three verses, and so that just makes my like little uh, type A heart really happy. Okay, but we're gonna jump into this psalm. This is a psalm of ascent, and so what that means is uh, that the nation of Israel they would sing this uh, as they're going to the temple to prepare their hearts for being with the Lord. And so helping right their minds and their hearts as they approach the house of the Lord. And so as we go into a new year, we can use this psalm as we approach God and evaluate our lives and our posture towards the Lord, asking ourselves, is our soul calm and quiet? Would you say that your soul is calm and quiet? I think water is a great illustration here. I grew up at the beach and Um, I've been out on the beach in days and uh, it's been one of those things where you can look out and the ocean is constantly moving, there's always waves, but sometimes it looks like it's almost flat as glass. It's just calm. You kind of hear a little bit of waves crashing, but it's just kind of quiet. But I've also been on the other side where I've been out there and the wind's blowing, storms growing, and it's just looking like, man, if you're in a boat, I'm sorry okay but you're out there you're even on the beach and it's just loud and you can't seem to even think you can't have a conversation with anybody it's really loud and restless and so which of those scenes describe your soul this morning and i know we can't control the weather uh, but we can find the calmness and quietness in our soul and psalm 131 is going to show us that and so it starts out verse 1 saying oh lord showing us that David, who is the author of this psalm uh, of Ascent, is talking to God. And so, a quick reminder about psalms, uh, they're written in a way as they address our inner being and what's going on. They read, they can be read as songs about the state of our souls before the Lord. And so this is what David's doing, he's saying, "Oh Lord, and he writes this psalm to remind himself to rest in God. It's a a way to recalibrate uh, before he goes before the Lord. And so as we unpack, what and he's going to unpack for us what it looks like to, for a calm and quiet soul. And so let's look at verse 1, and as we look at it, we're going to see our first point for the day is how we find this calm and quiet soul, and that's going to be the rejection of pride. The rejection of pride, because pride's one of those things that we are all kind of acquainted with. I, I know I can at least think of somebody who's more prideful than I am, right? Y'all, y'all got that, right? Okay. Okay. But in reality though, one of those things is that we all struggle with. And I think it's helpful uh, as we talk about pride to quickly define what kind of pride is. Uh, Good old Webster helped me out. Pride is having too high an opinion of one's own ability or worth. Too high an opinion of one's own ability or worth. And so we see this, seeing this in others is a lot easier, am I right, than identifying it in ourselves. It, it's it can get a little tricky because pride i feel like can manifest itself in kind of two ways there's the pride of having uh and the pride of wanting and uh thankfully i had a lot of guys smarter than me uh john piper hb charles they helped me kind of like coin these things these aren't these aren't me like I'm, saying, I'm setting the bar low for 2023 but in that the pride of wanting and the pride of having because the pride of having is what we normally think of when we think of pride this is the person thinking and actually acting like they're better than everyone else their high opinion of themselves is obvious. This is the one who boasts or will boast any chance that they get about their job, their wealth, their connection, even their family. It's a form of pride of just, I'm gonna draw the attention back to me by showing you how awesome I am. And I'm gonna be really honest with y'all. I, didn't, I thought about not saying this, but it's just 2023, we're gonna be real, okay? This was me in high school. I know it's hard to believe this like quiet preacher up here, okay? <laughs> That wasn't the joke, but okay. Um, but I played, I played football in high school. I was decent, okay? But I thought I was great. I mean, like, great. I thought I was the man. So much I thought I was the man. My email address in high school was the man -52. OK? I mean, that's what it was. Like I was confident. at least that's the word I used about myself. Uh, people, other, people use other words, okay? But that's, that's the pride of having, I felt like I had it. But the second, the pride of wanting or desiring is more subtle in its appearance, but it's just as deadly. It's the version of pride that shows itself in desiring the things that that person, other person has. We see this really in Genesis three, don't we? I, I think this is one of the best pictures we see. Adam and Eve in the garden, desired to be like, they wanted the control They wanted to be on the throne of their life and of the world. They wanted that. And so they stepped into it by eating of the fruit. Because the whole purpose of pride, however you chop it up, is to put ourselves at the center of things. And Psalm 131 is going to show us how David goes about rejecting this pride in three ways uh, in order to find this calmness and quietness with God. Because remember, Psalm 131 is going to help us reorient our hearts. And so there's three ways that David shows us that pride manifests itself. These three ways that we'll look quickly at are the pride of the heart, the pride of the eyes, and the pride of ambition. And so starting with verse, the first line, these, these are going to come out of a line of verse 1. First, the first line of verse 1 says, O Lord, my heart is not lifted up. In this first line, we're going to see David showing us that his heart's not lifted up. He's starting where all pride begins. It takes root in the heart. And this shouldn't come as a shock for us because before we start like showing prideful things, and we'll get to that in a minute, it takes root in our hearts. It begins inside of us. And we can all think of that person who acts prideful, right? We can all think because you're way better than them. You're not that much prideful. I'm joking. Okay. But we know pride can strike any and all of us. And in this first section, we see David wanting to cut off. He's wanting to reject the pride of the heart before it can take root and manifest itself in what follows. Because he knows what his son wrote in the book of Proverbs. It cautions against what pride says. Proverbs 4.23 says, keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Y'all, what our heart focuses on, What we find joy in will dictate our life. This is going to dictate the state of our soul. And so is our heart seeking to be lifted up? Is it seeking to make much of ourselves being loud, drawing attention to ourselves? Or is it desiring the calm and quietness before the Lord, before Christ? Is it talking about the springs of life? Are we going to the living water in Jesus? One Proverbs you may be familiar with, Proverbs 16, 18, is a verse I feel like we've all heard in some time, some context, but pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Man, if our hearts are lifted up, making much of ourselves, this is going to lead to destruction and I've never known destruction to be calm and quiet. It might be initially, but the results of it are catastrophic and catastrophe is never calm and quiet. This is why David's starting at the heart because he's wanting to cut pride off before it manifests itself. But the second, we go to the second line here in just a second because we see uh, that it can manifest itself and destroy this calmness and quietness in our soul. And so when we're not rejecting the pride of the heart, then it begins to manifest itself in the pride of the eyes. Or another way to think of that is the pride of the body. Because we're going to see that in the second part of verse one. We say, oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up, my eyes are not raised too high, and David's making sure in this moment that his eyes aren't raised too high. Meaning that the eyes are the expression of our body; it's our countenance. You've probably heard the expression that eyes can speak, looks can communicate. I mean, I feel like most men in this room can understand that really well. All right, between our moms, our wives, our sisters, Gee, I mean, I communicated with one of my uh, coworkers just by looks. Like, no, we shouldn't do that. You know, like. I didn't even have to say it but i remember because I, I remember i mean i chuckle even looking back uh, as i was thinking of like communicating with the eyes i was thinking of a dinner when i was in high school i have an older sister and a younger brother we were at the dinner table we weren't on our best behavior we had people over and i remember i love to tell this one story that i'm not going to tell here uh, but in that my mom knew it was coming she just like knew me she knew it and all of a sudden i like i was leaning i'm about to go in about to get a good laugh, and she shoots me a look. I can like picture it now, y'all. Like hairs, it just it make, give me chills. I love you, mom. I love you, but, but man, it gives me chills. It like stop me in my tracks. That look communicated like, don't you do it? I said, okay, all right. I was in high school, you know again I mean? But, but in that, what we see though, and what David's showing us in his verse is that his countenance, his appearance, isn't it? It's not speaking this. So they don't do so. It's his body language is. As he's going before the Lord, he's not wanting his eyes, he's not wanting to have this like prideful body language before the Lord. Because this isn't new to us, because body language speaks. That's why they call it a language. I, I feel like the best example that, uh, especially as it relates even to the eyes, can be the eye roll. Am I right? The eye roll communicates a lot, does it not? It communicates this, you know, not always, but first all, this like prideful thoughts. of like, yeah. Okay, like you got this, but it said that a lot can be said with an eye roll, but we not only believe in our hearts that we're better, but now our body's actually beginning to communicate this. This isn't something internally. Now it's externally beginning to play itself out. We see this elsewhere in scripture, back to the book of Proverbs, Proverbs chapter six, it talks about the things that God hates. One of the things is haughty eyes, eyes that are lifted up, meaning that we're being prideful in our actions. He also hates a lying tongue when we're deceiving and making much of ourselves uh, in that. Uh, a heart that devises a wicked plan to satisfy ourselves because we're number one, we're the best, we need to be right. And then he also despises feet that run to evil because I, if we're running to evil, that means our pleasure is the most important and that's where we're going after. And so it's all these things where our body is beginning to act out these things that are in our heart if we're not rooting out this pride. And so we must reject these things if we're to find rest for our souls because if we don't, we're going to be restless, always striving for them. And so before we go to our second point and, fin- and see what it looks like to have a calm and quiet soul, let's finish out verse 1. O oh Lord, my heart is not lifted up. My eyes are not raised too high. I do not occupy myself with things too great and too marvelous for me. In this last verse, uh, section of verse one, we see that David is rejecting the pride of ambition. He's not occupying themselves with things too great or too marvelous. And I know these are easy words to read and maybe even say right here, but they're really hard to live out because this begins to, it not only takes root in our heart, but in our countenance or our body, but then it, it, it even travels to our mind. Like it begins to really take root and it can sound uh, this is what I came up with. Cause I felt like I've said these things before. I need to be in charge of things and everything would just run smoothly. Just pick the thing. I feel like I got the answer for it, all right? If, if these people would only listen to me, then the problems would just go away. I could just do it better. Just let me do it. that's just me, right? But this isn't professionally, though. This isn't just like in our own spirit. To go a step even further, I feel like sometimes it can even happen spiritually, God, this isn't the right way. If you would listen to me, I could do it better than you. Just listen. God, if you were good, you wouldn't do things this way. I know what's good. Listen to me. And we begin to see like we're we're stepping into things too great and too marvelous for us. Because Moses tells us in Deuteronomy 29, 29 that the secret things belong to the Lord, our God, but the things that are revealed belong to us and to our children forever, that we may do all the words of his law of this law. Y'all, some things are not meant for us to comprehend. Some things I don't get. I think I might have it figured out, but I do not have the whole picture because i know i am finite i have a limited view on things i am a created being we are created beings and some things are meant to only be understood fully by the creator of the universe the one whose image we bear but we are not the owners and operators of all that's going on and so in realizing this last part of verse 1 of psalm 131 we see the response we're to take uh, as we reject pride is humility that's the opposite of what they, what, what David is trying to pull us to, he's trying to draw us towards humility. But humility, I find, this is like one of those funny things too, where it's, it's a discipline, we should, we should be disciplined with our humility, but it's, more, it's less so of a, a discipline than a reflex, am I right? It's more of a reflex than a discipline, that's something that has to be constantly worked on. We wanna strive for humility in this. Because I find it tricky because as soon as I begin to work at humility, I begin to think that I'm doing a great job at humility. And then I'm like, man, I'm humble. I'm the best humble guy there is. And I'm like, well, we're well, we going to step back over here. Like, we're back to step one now. I'm not that humble anymore now, am I? And so I like to tell my wife, man, I'm humble. Like, I'm the best humble person there is. And, well, there, there we just, we just jump back to uh, ground zero with that but but what i love out of verse one as we see it elsewhere in god's word is that humility is not necessarily thinking let or like down on myself or less about myself but it's thinking about ourselves. less with less focus on me less stress on making myself known which is what pride is our souls begin to find this calmness and this quietness that only comes when we aren't striving to make much of ourselves the quiet and it's then when we stop yelling and sh- making all this noise to make sure we're known or heard or seen. And we forget more about ourselves and we focus on the things that God wants us to focus on, namely Him. And so one of the ways that we practice this is we confess our sin. We confess our sin to God and we confess our sin to one another and we live lives marked by humility as sinners. Remembering we regularly miss the mark But what humility does, it doesn't just leave us in this reality that we're broken and sinners. For those who know Christ, it means no, we don't wallow in our sin, but no, we speak the gospel into it. We see much more of our sin, when we see much more of our sin, the cross becomes so much more beautiful. Because what Jesus went and died for was not just a few sins that I've worked on and I'm working through. but He's. He came and died because of this daily rebellion and this flesh that I have inside me. But his grace and his mercy is forevermore. Praise the Lord that his mercies are new every morning. That his grace will never run out. That his love is as wide as the east is from the west. Y'all, when we begin to consider all that Christ has done for us, how he loves us, it, uh, my prayer is that it does not leave us anxious, and have to perform but no it gives us this calmness and this quietness of the soul as david talks about in verse 2 when he says but i have calmed and quieted my soul like a weaned child with its mother like a weaned child is my soul within me how i love this picture we're supposed to be like a weaned child with its mother And this is our second point for today number two calming of the soul because we, after, we see David declaring and rejecting pride, he's calmed and quieted his soul, showing us that living in a way that our souls are not hurried or anxious or troubled is possible. One of the best books that I read in 2022 was The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I was like late into the game in some circles in adopting that, but it's a phenomenal book, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry by John Mark Comer. It's great. It was so good in 2022 that I gave it to somebody as a gift. Uh, I hope it wasn't an insult. Um, Okay, but I, I referenced it multiple times. But one thing that struck me from this book was the idea that we aren't meant to live in a hurried and aggressive pace with life. But instead, meant to live slowly and intentionally with Jesus, and we see in our text today this beautiful illustration of a weaned child with its mother, calm and quiet. Y'all, you know, I, I love my sweet boys, and um, I, they can be rambunctious and rowdy at times. But but um, I man, I love. I have so many sweet memories um, of them just crawling into Jordan's lap, just to be with her. Just to be with their mom, not wanting anything but just her, and I get that. But they just—that's what—that's what they wanted. But I also remember the times before uh, they were weaned. Um, man, they—they they, like what they wanted was nourishment, and they were hangry all the time. I didn't understand it; just hangry all the time. But there's a sweetness when you know that when the baby or or that toddler crawls in your lap, not wanting anything, but your presence, your love, your affection, it's like their safe space. It's sweet. The Lord is that for us. And so as I, as I worked through things in 2023, through, uh, kind of through that book and through some other scripture reading and, and Psalm 31, I felt like just kind of brought this all out again in me. Uh, I began asking myself what helps calm and quiet my soul. That's the Lord spending time with him. But I also asked the question, what does not And a lot of them were really obvious. My phone doesn't, doesn't calm my soul. The news definitely doesn't calm and quiet my soul though. I love it. Oh, I love it. Email does not calm and quiet my soul. All right. I might just send too many. Maybe that's the problem. I don't know, but, but even my schedule, though, I love a great schedule. I'm more stressed out by my schedule. And I feel like oftentimes I I, and we fill our days with things that don't help us live unhurried lives. But instead we seek to live lives marked by how much we can accomplish, how much we can handle. I know this is true. This is true for me in 2023. I've run hard in eight days. I'm like, goodness gracious. Like Psalm 131, AJ, you're preaching on this. But it's reminded me that what helps calm and quiet my soul is the Lord it's reminding and i do this by reminding myself of the gospel reminding the love that god has for me how he's displayed that for me how he continues to show me day in and day out that he loves me that i can bring anything before him but i'm not going to find this calmness and quietness in my soul by just giving him five minutes of a day and cutting off noise for that little bit No, as Psalm 1 talks about uh, the blessed man, the righteous man uh, meditates on His Word day and night. Jesus calls us to come and sit at His feet, commune with Him regularly. I love the... well, I I mean, I love it, but it's really convicting. The story of Martha and Mary um, in the New Testament, Jesus comes and visits them. and you can probably guess which one I identify with. Martha's the one like getting everything ready. She's doing all this stuff. She is going, going, going. And then finally, at the, there's a point she just cracks. And she's like, Jesus, tell Mary to help me out. Come on. Like, I'm trying to take care of you and everything else in this world. Like, what's going on? I mean, she was speaking to the one who created the world, but it's not a big deal. Okay. And so in that though, Mary was just sitting there at Jesus' feet, talking with him, communing with him. And this is what always gets me. He said, Mary chose the better portion. She chose to be with me. Now, I need to be careful here because we're not just, you know, just supposed to sit idly. Man, I love, hear me, I love that we are meant to create, to cultivate, to subdue. Like, let's get after it. But there, it's been that way from the beginning of time. Like, this is what we were meant to do. But at the pace and intensity that we find ourselves doing it today, it's not good for our physical bodies. It's not good for our souls. We have to be able to have a calm and quiet soul. And Psalm 131 shows us that we're able to do that by abiding in the Lord as a child does with its mother. Not wanting or needing anything, but simply being with Him. Christ calls us, He says, abide in me and I in you. I I remember really vividly when uh, my parents came to visit, Jordan and I, uh, we were living in Durham at the time. Me and my dad, uh, we restored this like little wooden boat. It was a ton of fun. Uh, But we came up and I was like, man, I want to take you fishing in this boat that we did together. And so we went out and it was one of those days like you couldn't have like painted a more beautiful scene. Like you just couldn't have. It was one of those scenes it was, it was wild we got that kind of day on the water. Um, it was one of those days too where you didn't even really need to fish. I mean, I, I fished, let's get real. But I didn't catch anything. That was probably the Lord's work. Um, because in that, I didn't, I didn't need to catch anything because I was just simply with Him. We laughed, we told stories. I just enjoyed one another's, we enjoyed one another's presence. Wow, that was a wonderful day with my dad. And it, and I feel like because I've gotten moments like that with my dad, I I become, and yeah, you know, I, I see it a lot more now. I'm like my dad. There There's moments where my dad's name's Trey, where Trey comes out, and I'm like, oh man, that was exactly the way he said that. I'm like, oh, uh, not really. It's a good thing, most of the time. Um but in those, I was reminded that we are influenced by those whose company we keep. How vital is it that we spend time with those who uplift, who spur us onto living a Christ-centered life? And how much even more important is it that we're spending unhurried, sweet time with the Lord? Because as I do that, in doing so, my heart will become more like his heart. And I want others to experience the love that I have from him. This calmness and quietness that my soul experiences, I want them to experience it as well. Because I've gotten that from the Lord. And so we get to see how all of this affects David in verse 3, where he says, "O Israel, hope in the Lord from this time forth and forevermore. And I I see David moving away from self-reflection and into calling and pleading with Israel to place their hope in the Lord. He's calling them to trust in the one who will reign forevermore. And I, I love that this just isn't like a tag on at the end, but shows us David's heart. Not still, not focused on himself. He's rejected pride. He's embraced his calm and quiet soul with the Lord. But in doing so, he's not focused on himself, but on God, and is drawn to bring others into the calmness and quietness that is only found in the Lord. And the hope that he speaks of is this joyful anticipation of what will come. David's hoping and inviting them to hope that God's going to restore his kingdom, not just with physical boundaries, but to reign for all eternity. And, and we have this hope today, a joyful anticipation of Christ's return. We know that Christ has defeated sin. He's defeated death in the grave. And he said that he's going to come again and he's going to make all the sad things unsad. He's going to make all these things new. But even before his return, though, I have hope that God is going to restore lives. He's going to restore marriages. He's going to bring people uh, into the family of God from every tribe, tongue, and nation. And I have this just joyful anticipation that he will move in the lives of my kids. That he's going to move in the life of my family and neighbors. That he's going to move in the life of New City Church. That he's going to move in unreached people groups. He's going to move around the world. I believe this. I anticipate it. And with this hope, we see our final point for today. An invitation of a hope for us and others. Because what David is calling the nation of Israel to join him in is this rest, to experience the calm and quiet that can only be found with the Lord. Because we can, if we want to, we can try to strive and find fulfillment in a spouse or a job or money. We can labor tirelessly for accomplishments. We can fight and struggle to be in control. We can work diligently to make sure everything goes just right. And we can make much of ourselves and our abilities, but in the end, it's just all gonna come up vain. It's gonna come up worthless. But I love that we see this invitation to another way. A way that comes from being still and knowing who God is and just who we are and, and if we don't know Christ then we must humbly come before God and, and just acknowledge that that we're a sinner acknowledge that I cannot save myself I'm in need of saving and this is the beautiful thing about it he is there ready to accept you just as you are As one of His children, you can confess and believe in Him. You can surrender your life to Him and be with Him forevermore. And for those who walk with Christ, there's this invitation to come and lay just all things before Christ. A call to abide in Him. To bear fruit from Him. Just by simply abiding. That's like one of the craziest things in Scripture to me. It's like you actually produce things by just simply being with the Lord. Because it's going to propel us to then do things. About when we're just with him. And so, as we experience this calmness and quietness of the soul, I love that we not only want to stay in it when you actually find it, but you want to bring others into it too. Because you've just you tasted and seen, like, man, this is good. It's like when you find out something, you, you've like life hacked something, and you just want to tell everybody. Like, this is how you fix this thing that everybody seems to struggle with. I want to tell you about it. You you, you can't do anything but share it. In the psalm, we see David inviting people to come and see a different way, a better way to live. To live as a child does with its mother, free and just loved unconditionally. Because that's how the Lord loves us just as we are. He knew the sin we had, the sin we will have. He knew all of these things. He knows our struggles and our burdens. And He says, I came and died for all of that. And so, to have a calm and quiet soul, we must go before God humbly and just sit with Him. Delight in Him. Enjoy His Word. Enjoy talking with Him, listening to Him, enjoying the people that He's brought around us to make us more like Him. Because y'all, we have to turn off the desire. We have to reject it to make much of ourselves. We have to turn off the busyness and the noise of the world and go where there's peace everlasting. I love that Jesus said this in John 14, verse 27. It says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Y'all, there is peace and there's a calmness and a quietness that can only be found in Christ. And you may be thinking, well, this world is just crazy. There is no way I can turn it all off. And I get it, but Jesus said this in John 16, 33. He says, I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace. In the world, you will have tribulation. But take heart, I have overcome the world. Y'all, I I see, when I look out, I I see the idea of of the beach again, of the waves crashing and all this. And without Christ, it seems like Man, the waves and the storm is just rolling constantly. And it's like, I can't get out of that. There is no way I can do anything with this. But when we step and we trust in the Lord, what, one of the things, that, why I love thinking about it in regards to the ocean is the waves don't stop. Like they never stop. They're always going to be crashing. Things are always going to be happening. But there's this calmness and quietness that we're able to have with the Lord. Because Jesus told us he has overcome the world. The battle is over and won by Christ. And so once the battle is ended, things will grow quiet and calm. There will be rejoicing and there will be celebration and then we will have a party forevermore. But that's the reality. It's not like once Jesus comes back. It's also a reality for right now. For those who trust in Christ, y'all, the battle has been won. Jesus has overcome the world. And so this is what I pray for us as we look ahead. And we're in 2023 and and we look to see what God will do. But I pray for each of us. I pray for New City, that we would not seek to make much of ourselves, but we would make much of Christ. That would be our focus. That would be our aim. That we would not just hold that in, but we would invite others to come and see that we would go and tell this good news that we have. Because in making things less about us, there's a beauty in this that we would also find this calm and quietness in our soul that comes from serving the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And there's this, there's this beauty in this because there's just rest To be found with the lord and so that's my prayer for us as we go in and uh we're eight days into 2023 and you may be feeling like well it hasn't ramped up yet and some of y'all may be like, well no it's gone straight bonkers i don't know but wherever you're at my, my prayer is that though tribulation will come christ has overcome the world and we can find this sweetness that's only found in the lord And we'll be able to truly say as David does, I have calmed and quieted my soul. Like a weaned child is my soul within me. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for the hope that we have in you. God, I pray for us this morning that our heart would not be lifted up, that our eyes would not be raised too high, that we would not occupy ourselves with things too great and too marvelous for us. But God, that we would simply calm and quiet our soul before you, just to be with you. What a joy that is. And so God, I, I hope and I trust in you that you will move mightily in our lives that God, we will see just great things from this time forth and forevermore. Through your name we pray, amen.